Well, welcome back into the We Shall Not Sleep podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Thank you for all the collective support. I can't wait to get started on this one, so I won't waste a lot of your time here. It is amazing to see the continued support and listenership that's grown over the last few weeks. The guests, I, my heart is with you. I'm indebted to you all for your willingness to come and share and offer your perspective on things that are really important. So thank you so much to everyone who has come and will continue to be a guest on this podcast, to which you can find us on all of the streaming services, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube. Feel free to comment, leave a review, like, subscribe. Also, if you'd ever like to have a particular guest for request, constructive criticism, any other type of feedback, feel free to drop an email at wsnspodcast at gmail.com. Alrighty, without further ado, my guest this week, extraordinary man, committed to Christ. He is somebody who served in our military, armed forces. He was in the Air Force. He is a licensed counselor. He is an educated man. He helps at-risk teens. He serves on my church board, and I call him my friend, and his name is Eric Moore. Please welcome him now. Eric, thank you so much for being here. What a privilege to have you on our podcast. Hey, it's good to be here. Where's the music? Well, the music, <laughs> I usually had that in afterwards. In oh. fact, uh, I actually am working on a way of integrating it all live eventually, but not that fancy yet. Not that fancy. Okay. Um, but my gosh, like on Friday night, both at the, well, end of a work week for me, you've yes. been on vacation and you're fully rested. It's been blessed. It's been a blessing. Yes. Um, I am. I am happy to have had this time off. I don't usually get two weeks off, so I, I had to beg, borrow, and steal to get this off. Well, what a way to end it. And again, it's an honor to have you on here. We, you know, we have met each other. I mean, when, when did we first meet? If I had, if I had to guess, it was probably at when my mom was in your same cohort. Was that yeah. back in like 2008, 2009? 2009 was when we, we began, um, and I believe I probably met you when we came to your house to work on a group project. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I vaguely remember that because it was like, oh, it's the bald guy that's here. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. just like my dad. I mean, I just don't remember. I remember, was Ramisha a part of that too? Ramisha, Chris, and, um, oh my gosh, Shelly. Okay. Yeah. I don't, for some reason, I can't remember Shelly, but I do remember you. And the thing is, is that once you guys had me down at our church, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course he looks familiar. And the thing is, I didn't just didn't know if I recognized your wife, Stephanie, at all. I, I don't think I ever met no, her. No, you, you, I don't think that you did. There was one time you were marching in one of the parades in Spring Arbor, hmm. and my son was marching with the, um, with the junior ROTC group from the Career Assist Center. Oh, okay. And so Stephanie and I were were there to watch that, and I was snapping some pictures of, of you with your big drum set. Yes, okay. To give to your mom. Yeah, so that one must have been in my senior year then at that at that point in time. It was like 2012. Well, that's cool. I didn't know that. I didn't know you were taking pictures of me from yeah. when I was uh, in high school. It's only a little creepy, but that's, I'll let that go. <laughs> uh, so that that's how we got connected. 
Um, yes. As far as like, hey, we're familiar with one another. I remember seeing you at graduation. What year? What year was that graduation? Would have been. I didn't go to our un- oh, our our undergrad grad okay. graduation because it was supposed to be one week weekend, but then there was an an, an outbreak of um, not corona vi- vi- not coronavirus, but the. Swine flu? No, I forget what it's what it's called. Your mom not, will not uh, know. But there was an outbreak of some virus. No, <laughs> I'm gonna go through all of some them. virus on campus, and so they had to postpone grad grad graduation Mer- to Mersa? A, a later Mer- date. Mer- not no. Hey, we're just, we'll just. I think it started it. with a C. Oh, okay. But it wasn't Corona. It was- <laughs> Which everyone knows what that is now, um, but yeah, okay. So that okay, that would make sense. I remember that day pretty clearly because I was so proud of my mom. But, yeah, uh, yeah. And then look, we'll probably get into this a little bit later. But then uh, until 2020, because I don't think I saw you, I don't think I talked to you in that like eight year gap. My mom had was always frequently mentioned you because right. you know, just conversation and like so you're always familiar to me. You weren't a stranger because I was basically living vicariously through my mother and saying, hey, I wonder how Eric's doing. Well, I don't have to ask. My mom will just tell me how Eric's doing. Um, so that it's really, really cool to to see and get to know you now and try to piece the past together of like, oh, so you were there when this happened, which I had no idea. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that that type of the insight, like I said, we'll get to a little bit later, but I, I haven't actually asked you to elaborate more on this in person. I think because I've, I wanted you to, on the podcast, what what is your personal story? Like, how did you end up spiritually where you're at now? How did you become mm-hmm. a Christian? Yeah. Well, first, I mean, thanks for having me here. I still, after listening to your other podcast, I don't know what I can contribute better than uh, those other people have. Um, Every one of those guests had the same response, mind you. Okay. So the floor is yours. Um, so... I came to Christ. We grew up, well, I didn't grow up in a church going home. Church wasn't discouraged. Um, as a matter of fact, my mom sometimes took us um, to, I grew up in Albion, and there was a couple Baptist ch- churches there that, that we would go to, mostly for youth stuff or whatever. My brother played on like the Baptist church softball team uh, when he was in high school. And so, um, you know, church wasn't discouraged, but it wasn't like a part of our life. It was just something that every now and then we would go, depending on what was happening. Um, and uh, when I when I really came to Christ and and developed a relationship with him was when um, my wife and I had been married for almost 10 years and we were, we were fighting all the time. It was, it, it was bad. Um, and I had a really bad temper. It was, it was, it was bad. Um, road rage, like to the point where I'm trying to run people off the road so I can get out and stomp on them. Um, and, uh, the rage really upset her. The rage that I was dealing with really upset her, and we just fought a lot. Um, where, mind you, if I cut in here, where was that rage coming from? Well, <laughs> um, oddly enough, um, 
my mom, whom I love to death, and I would gladly give my life for, um, she's been married seven times. Not seven times. Seven times. She's on her seventh marriage now. So she's basically that woman in the Bible. Uh, that, <laughs> the woman at the, the, the well. well, the, well right. the woman at the well, yeah. Right. <laughs> and and um, uh, our, my first stepfather, my first stepdad, who is actually my younger brother's father, um, he was not a good man. Not good at at all. Um, and he, he was very physically abusive to me, uh, sexually abused my, my, my sisters. Um, you know, and you know, this was the seventies. Um, and it was a different time. Uh, the, a, a lot of the things that we know now, uh, weren't really known then. Like when my mother first found out that he was sexually ab abusing my older si sister, um, you know, uh, she, she threw him out and then, you know, they went to the doctor and the doctor said, well, since he's been caught, he probably won't do it ag again. And mm. so she, she let him come back home. And of course it, it, it happened again. Um, and then they got divorced and then she married an, another man. Uh, you know, and if that, that one started, so it started off good at first. And then, um, you know, he started to show his true colors after they got married. And he was an alcoholic. And uh, he used to like to get physical with, with my mom. And, um, and I just remember one time uh, he was throwing her up against the wall. He had, he had built his house. And the outside walls were made of this jagged stone. And he threw her into that outside wall and I, I remember seeing that stone gash her arm and I had an aluminum ball bat and I was stepping in to, mm. to take care of, of that and she, she, she stopped me. So, and then not too long after that, he was like, you know, hey, Eric needs to go. Uh, you guys can, can, can stay, but Eric needs, needs to go. And, and how old are you at this point? Oh, 11 or 12. Oh, wonderful. And, um, so, um, you know, to my mom's credit, you know, she goes, well, you know, I'm not going to make my son leave and, you know, and the rest of us stay. So, so we moved out. Um, I think that was my seventh grade. I was in seventh grade at that point. Um, and then, you know, it's just, so as the years went by, you know, just, I just had a lot of pent up anger. Um, when I was, um, trying to remember, I was in my, my very early twenty my, my very early twenties. It was before I joined the military and I joined that at 22. So it was, I was either nine, 19 or, or a 20. My, my brother's father, the one who was abusive to, to, to us, um, my younger brother was about 12, and he came down, picked him up for the weekend, took him home, said, you know, well, you know, you've got your life and I've got mine, and so we probably shouldn't see each other anymore. <laughs> you know, and of course, that angered me too. Um, yeah. 
So just then I joined the uh, uh, military, spent four years away from home, um, moved back just, um, and as, you know, and as I grew older, just really just started, there was just a lot of anger. Um, I remember uh, I worked at a tool shop in Chelsea and I know that my brother's dad lived in Manchester. Mm-hmm. And so okay. I used to drive back down to North, to North Adams through Manchester. I'd come back down, down 12. Yeah. And for those people who don't know, that that's, that's a little bit of a drive. It is. Yeah. yeah. But I'd be looking for this man. And, and, and I was, and I don't know what I, I know that in my head I was like, if I ever see him, I'm going to kill him. And um, it's really scary to me to think that I could think like that. But, and I don't know whatever would have happened had I seen him. I thank God that, that I never did. I never yeah. had to find that out. But that was, that was the kind of anger that I was carrying for uh, the longest time. And, and this, after so long, really did start to affect your marriage? It did, yeah. Okay. And, and it was at the point where my uh, Stephanie had, had said, you, you know, um, I know she, she went away one weekend on a retreat with some other girls from her work. And I didn't find this out till later, but she had said, you know, that um, when she left that weekend, she was going to make up her mind to either leave or stay. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So what year would this have been? Oh, let's see. Brett was about a year old, so about 97 okay. or 98. Just give people a reference. You know, so yeah. I'd have been like four years old at this point. And, and, you, and you were married already 10 years at this point? Yeah, we well, it was we had been we we got married in eighty nine. Okay, so just short. So it was of that. around yeah seven so, eight uh, years. And so that she goes away, and that was she went to decide. Now, as you're dealing with this, not knowing, just, is is your wife is Stephanie? Is she like religious at all? Is she no no no? Okay, none. Um, but she worked for a guy named Doctor Scott Watterson. Oh, yes. Yeah, the people in Jackson know that name. Yeah. And she was his hygienist for, I don't know, nine, ten years, um, or one of his hygienists. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, everybody there that she worked with, they all went to church together at over here in Spring Arbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she just noticed that there was always something different ab- about them. And sure. They were always, always, you know, they seemed so happy, quite quite often, and uh, one of them, I think it was Sharon McCarroll, invited her to church, and and she went uh, at first without me, um, and, um, and... This is sometime after this kind of pivotal moment in yeah, your marriage? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So she came home, and she had de- de- decided that she was going to make it work. Right. She talked to one of her, her friends, and you know, and this this friend that she worked with had gone through a divorce, and she was encouraging Stephanie to to work it out. Mm-hmm. So she did. She stayed, um, and then she she started going to church first, and and then uh, I started going with 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 her. So so what led to that then? Is it just because she's going? I mean, did you did her did you see a palpable change 
and her attitude towards your marriage because of church, and then that kind of softened your. I mean, had you ever stepped into a church before? Oh yeah, okay. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. All right. And I mean, when when I went through basic, uh, we went to church every Sunday. It okay. was just a, you know, it was it was a great way to relieve stress. Sure. And okay. then when I went to tech school, the uh, so the security police tech tech school there at uh, Lackland, I just con- I I uh, continued it. You know, okay. I kept going to church every Sunday. Um, you know, so it was it was. It was good, mm-hmm. um, but my wife was not interested in it. And and when my wife was, my wife's mom died from brain cancer when she was sixteen. Mm. Wow! And so for you know, so for the longest time while she was sick, um, you know, my my wife was was there taking care of of her. And you know, one of the uh, one of the uh, ladies from one of the local Baptist churches in North Adams, you know, called my called my my wife's mom and told her that you know well, you know this is God's judgment on on her for being a sinner. Oh dear Lord, that did not happen. Are you kidding me? That no, that that, that happened, and my wife wanted nothing to do oh, with uh, church. Oh, what we do to people, what our witness does. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! So there was that, but she noticed some, some something different about these people that okay. she, that she worked with. Yeah, and she started going, um, and yeah, I mean there was a difference in our 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 marriage. Her, you know, even her uh, her demeanor toward me changed. Um, it, it and and so I started going with 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 her because she asked me. So and I wasn't I wasn't anti church. So we we went, um, and she connected me with this this lovable old old guy, pa- Pastor Earl, mm-hmm. Earl Habecker, one of the sweetest men you'll ever meet, um, and he kind of took me under his wing, and uh, you know ment- mentored me, um, and and uh, worked uh, worked with me and Stephanie. And then, and, and, and I actually started seeking counseling there too. There was, um, they had a pastoral counselor there, pa- Pastor Buck mm-hmm. was his name, uh, uh, Gail Buckley, but he was a retired naval cha- chaplain. Oh, wow. Okay. And so he and he and I clicked because I'd only been out of the military for a few years at, at that point. And so we, we just clicked and he really helped me. Um, there was a time where I couldn't even talk about my, my stepdad without getting just physically and visibly mad, right? My, I would start to, you know, breathe heavy and, you know, my face turned beat, beat red and fists would clench. Um, I couldn't even talk about him without that, that physical reaction. Uh, you know, and, and Pastor Buck kind of, led me through, um, you know, the, the ability to forgive this man for what he did mm. to me yeah. and, and to my sisters. And um, one day I was talking about this guy, and I, it didn't even dawn on me at that time, but later it hit me that I, 
I didn't get mad when I spoke about him. Huh. And that, it was at that moment that I knew that I had For, forgiven him. Forgiven him, yes. So, um, it, you know, and it's just been, and that was around, so we'd, we'd been married about 10 years at that point, you know, where, where we finally worked through that. And, and you, when you were able to have those discussions, I mean, was it just clear as day that this was the Holy Spirit moving in your marriage and having your your rage just be calmed and having that turn into forgiveness? Mm-hmm. How, what was the connection between that happening and the strengthening and the bond of your marriage? Mm. Well, I, I mean, everything changed. Yeah, Everything changed. Um, we began to just do more together. I stayed home more. Um, it was just different. Our, our relationship to it. And, and, and what happened for her was she started hanging out with godly women there. And, you know, she had, she had learned that, you know, everything that she was looking for in a man, I, I wasn't able, I, I couldn't provide that. And there was only one who could, right? You know, and 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 when she recognized that, she stopped looking for me to provide those things that only God could could provide her, mm-hmm. her heavenly father, father. So, um, yeah. So just things began to change. My anger sub subsided. I became much more calm. Um, and, and I'm not always calm. Don't you know? Don't yeah. get me 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 wrong. I I still have. But both you and I are pretty animated when we're passionate about something. Right. Absolutely. You know. So, um, but I'm I'm a lot different than I used to be. Mm. Um, but you know, and so here we are. You know, uh, well, to back up. Sorry, um, but I just re, re, Easter come 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 coming up is very special to me because yes. That was the day that we walked down to the altar together and ac- accepted Christ. Um, that was 99, Okay, I believe. Wow, God know. did some really cool things in a very short period of time. Yeah, yeah. And I just remember we were up in the balcony that day, and Pastor Hill, you know, he had everybody bow their head and close their eyes and, you know, led us through the sinner's prayer and, you know, and he told everybody to keep their heads down, you know, keep keep their eyes shut. But, you know, raise your hand if that's the first, you know, if that's the first time that you've prayed that. And I didn't know Stephanie raised her hand, and she didn't know that I raised my hand. Wow. And then um, and then he, he asked us all to, you know, walk down and we did, and things have been different since. And what church was that at? Spring Arbor Free Methodist. Methodist, wow. Yeah. What a beautiful testimony. And like to think that that's now, you know, 99, like I know what was going on then, and, and seeing where you guys are at now, you're probably 100% right. I probably wouldn't recognize a lot of that if I were to go back in time. and Because I only know you as you and Stephanie are now, you know, here. I've gotten to know you guys really well in the last, like, half a year. Uh, so how did you go from that point, mm-hmm. 1999, to where you're at now, now serving as the head of our board? Oh, Lord. I know it's a 21-year gap to try to cover in well, a few minutes. Uh, but. I, 
I was, I got heavily involved in a few different ministries at Spring Arbor. Um, one of them, uh, the the major one was they they had a care team hmm. ministry. Okay. Uh, and it was just, you know, kind of where we would go out and just, you know, meet with shut-ins. You know, they trained us, you know, and we would go out and meet with uh, shut-ins. And um, so that was, you know, my first exposure to doing that. Um, and I just, you know, and we were surrounded by such mature, wonderful Christians while we were there. And then in 2006, I went on in the Emmaus Walk. Which, would you mind explaining what that is? So, an Emmaus Walk is, it's, it's, I'm done by the United Methodist Church. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is just three days of just immersion in the Bible. And in, you know, getting to learn yourself in, you know, how your own relationship with God and Jesus Christ. Um, you know, and they don't talk, they, they tell you not to talk too much ab- about it because they don't want people coming in with preconceived ideas of what they're going to be doing. Sure, okay. Um, you know, but... It was on this Emmaus walk, you know, that I met uh, the pastor of the North Adams United Methodist Church. He was one of the spiritual directors on that walk, and he heard that I was from North Adams, and yeah. you know, we, you know, we we struck up a com- a conversation, you know, just kind of a friendship began. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, uh, and he invited me. He said, you know, hey, on Monday nights, me and some men get together down at the at 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 the church. He goes, I'm not ask, asking you to leave your church, you you know, but you know, if you're interested, come on down. Mm-hmm. So I started going there on Monday nights, and you know, I started meeting some of some of some of the men. Uh, um, Larry was a one. Oh yeah. Okay. Herb Smith, who's now gone. Um, he left us a few years back. Um, uh, left the earth, right? <laughs> right. Not the church, right? Um, and and um, uh, um, a couple other guys from the from the Jerome Church. So you know, it was just fantastic. You know, we you know, we had really good conversation. And on that, but on that that Emmaus walk too it was it was kind of starting to be put on onto my uh, heart that. I need to be doing something in my own community. Oh, okay. What, what you were still living in, in North Adams. Yes. Yeah. So we were driving from North Adams to Spring Arbor and Spring, Spring Arbor has a lot of fantastic ministries, but they're all in Jackson County. Right. I mean, cause you're driving, that's a, that's a 35, 40 minute drive. So you're going out of your own County, out of your community to go to church. Yeah. And so you felt a local calling to come back. I did, yeah, and and so in 2007 we left the free the free Methodist Church and joined the um, UMC in North Adams. So, oh, sorry. Okay. So that was 07, um, and then um, 
I'd, I'd been going there for about a year, and Pastor Paul asked me if I would like to to join the ad board at that at at, at, at that point, be the North Adams representative for annual con conference, which I did. You know, I joined, um, and I've been on the board. Yeah. Ever uh, they since we, they haven't been able to get rid of you, the, right, despite right. their best efforts. Yeah. So that I mean, and that's where, you know, God has our paths aligned, and I will never forget that that day I was out running. You gave me a call, and for some reason you wanted me to to come down and and fill some pulpit supply, and for whatever reason you guys have been trying to you know trying to uh, hang on to me despite my best efforts to leave. Uh, yeah, <laughs> say jokingly, our little plans were. <laughs> so, like that—that's been beautiful to actually get to know you. Uh, and I guess to to bring this in a way full circle is that in in addition to the spiritual journey you went on, the reason why our families got connected in the first place was what I mentioned at the beginning is yeah. through this um, through this calling <clears throat> that you felt to go back to school. That my mom just—I mean, she just had this urge. She's like, "I'm gonna go get my undergrad." Um, I'm gonna finish what I what uh, I started because she had her associates from the local community college here in Jackson, mm-hmm. and she's like, I I think family life education, Spring Arbor. I've looked into the program. I think that's what I want to do, and you know that it's done as a cohort, um, and more which a lot of people might not know how that's done as far as the education and curriculum. But you're with the same people the entire right. way through, right. and you just happen to be a part of that. And the amount of friendships and like the stories that have come out of that have been amazing. In particular, you and my mom's friendship uh, was something that stayed strong. So I know the story how my mom led there. How how did you go from you know, you're, you you're out of the military, you're yeah. doing your thing. What led you back to Spring Arbor? Obviously, you're familiar with the community, but what mm. was what about family life education? Like what what led you to that? Yeah. Uh, well, I I used to be well, I still am a journeyman tool tool maker. They can't take that from from me. I earned it. <laughs> um, but and so I was a toolmaker for uh, years. And what does that mean for? Uh, so it's a skilled trade where we just you know uh, I run lathes and mills and such and make precision equipment. Okay. Um, you you guys might have a tool room where you work. Oh I yes, don't... absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but that's the kind of work that I that I did for. Uh, for four years. This is after the military, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. I did an um, apprenticeship okay. through Northwest Tool here in Jackson. Uh, went out to JCC, you know, and, and, and finished that. Um, but I was working in Hills, Hillsdale at this time um, at a place called Precision Gauge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know that's it. Okay. Yeah. I, I, and, I, and I believe that we did work for your shop there. Yes. Um. So I was work, working there, and in 2008, you know, things were slowing down. The economy was tanking. Sure. And, you know, it was, it was, it, it was coming, and it finally hit our shop. Yeah. And um, I got laid off, actually, at the very beginning of 2009, at the end of January. Um. And so I was, and I couldn't find a tool making job to save my, my life mm-hmm. unless I wanted to drive to Kalamazoo or Grand Rapids, and that yeah, wasn't going to happen. That would have been well over an hour and a half, right? Either way, yeah, and doing that both ways. So, um, 
So I was on unemployed, unemployed employment, doing my thing. Um, and things were not picking up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have this curse or gift, whatever you want to call it, but it doesn't matter where I go. I've been standing in lines at like at a pizza joint waiting just waiting to pick up my pizza and people will just turn around and start downloading their entire lives to to me um i remember one one time i just ran ran in to grab a pizza and stephanie was out in 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 the car and 25 minutes later i come out she goes what have you been doing I said, some lady was just telling me about her son that, that got hit by a car, and I just couldn't leave her, you know? Right. So she goes, that happens everywhere you go. <laughs> I can, the reason why I'm laughing is, one, it's funny, but two, I can picture Steph just saying this. Like, I, I can just see and hear it in my head. What were you doing? <laughs> but even, but, you know, and she's been there with me where we're just in, in line or we're just standing there and people just start, Turning around and, and they just you know, like hey download their lives. You look like you have nothing to do and are willing to listen. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so call it a curse, call it a gift. I don't know, um, but um, so I got laid off, and I'm I'm just like I don't know what to do. I don't want to go back to tool make making. Okay. Um, because it, it's always been feast or famine mm -hmm. with that field. Um, and my wife said, well, why don't you just go back to college? You know, uh, finish your uh, degree. And I said, well, you know, I'll look into it. Um, you know, and she had suggested, well, maybe, maybe music, because I was playing, I was just getting into playing guitar at that, at that time. You know, so maybe a worship, you know, something like like that. Um, and that was around the time that the governor, uh, Governor Granholm at that time, had started this No Worker Left Behind program mm -hmm. where they would pay so much for you to go to school. Mm -hmm. um, I remember that. And so I applied for that, received it, but, you know, you, you have to take, you know, one, one of these talent inventories right and then and you have to pick a field you know like in 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 your top five well it, you know i took it and in my top five guess what number one is mm. counselor mm. yeah um or or social work worker what, what was your reaction when you saw that did you say huh well that makes sense or well that doesn't sound right yeah i was like no counselor and stephanie said well you know Everywhere we go, people talk to 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 do to you. Maybe that's you know, may maybe that's some something. So um, I started looking into it, and I'm like, okay, and but it also had suggestions for places to go to college and programs to take, and one of one of them was the FLE pro program at uh, Spring Arbor, which stands for Family Life Education. <clears throat> which, yes, which for those who don't know. If you had to explain that just quickly, explain that undergrad program. What what is family life education? Family life education is like it's a program that really 
it teaches you kind of just a, it's a basic understanding of family systems and how they, how, how they work and how to help okay. repair them. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I had, I had already, I had set my sights on becoming a counselor and of course I had to get my undergrad degree first. So I, you know, I prayed about it and I went and talked to Glenn Yamakawa. That's all I remember him. At, Absolutely. Uh, at Spring Arbor. And this was March. And the next class was starting on April 23rd. And he said, um, I, I, I don't think that, that there's an, enough time to get everything around that you need, but, but we'll try. Because I had to get transcripts from the, from the military, transcripts from, because I had taken classes when I was in the Air Force mm -hmm. at a place called Saracoso Community College out in California. Um, and so I had to get transcripts from there. I had to get transcripts from the community college of the Air Force. I had to get all of my, uh, all of the stuff from basic, tra uh, you know, all of the trainings that, 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 that I took because they give you credit for of those and then get my transcripts from JCC um, from when I did my um, apprenticeship there. Um, you know, and then and everything had to get read, and I had to apply for financial aid and all that, uh, and and but along the way, just God made everything just fall into place like it was supposed to. And I think it was like on April twentieth when I found, yep, yep, you can start on the twenty third. You know, so um, so yeah, and so that's how I ended up there, um, and met your mom and met lots of other great people that I'm still in touch with. Um, you know, and, but it was my intention, you know, to just to, to continue. Mm -hmm. And so I did. Yeah. And so you ended up with your graduate degree. Yes. In family in, life education. Right? No, no, in it's counseling. Oh, it was actually in counseling. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. And, and so what, and that led you to, to open up or open up or to have your own, um, like actual practice. profession, yeah, own practice. Right, right, right. That's, sorry, that's the that's the right term. And and so you are, you know, a counselor, but that's not. And and that is, you know, that's something obviously we have talked about. And uh, you still, I still owe you multiple uh, multiple billings because uh, uh, how much you've helped me in the last uh, few months. But it, that's not obviously the only thing that you do. Um, because of you, you don't just you're not just a counselor and whatever that uh, is. You've actually I mean, we talked about it at dinner tonight. You're also uh, involved with at-risk youth. Yeah, my full-time job. I work for a company called Highfields, oh. and uh, it, and we have our main campus, which is up in Onondaga. That's a residential treatment mm -hmm. camp camp campus, um, and then we have co have community service mm -hmm. uh, offices in. Hillsdale, Jackson, and Lan Lan Lansing. Um, and I think we're in like eight or nine different count, count counties from Gratiot County all the way on down to Hillsdale. Yeah, so that's like north northeast side of the state all the way down the south, if I'm not, not mistaken. Yeah. yeah yes. Just that covering that area. 
And and so like you're like let's think you're serving on our board. You you have two jobs and you're it's constantly outpouring constantly um, to to those like you said out at risk youth and then people who just like you said want to download their entire life. <laughs> now that now that you have the education behind it, you're you're not just listening. You're you're also trying to help find solutions, assuming the people obviously want solutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and now this has always been a question for me because you know I've I've I can't really relate to a lot of people who have had very difficult upbringings, who have substance abuse issues, mm-hmm. who've had step parents. Um, like I, I can't relate to any like depression, anxiety, or anything of that sort that I know that people, you know, traditionally either go see a counselor for or like PTSD and they go see a therapist. Like I really can't relate to that. So anytime somebody, you know, says to me like, hey, I'm seeing this person, like it there's like a there's like a canyon between me and that person as far as what they need that for and like what I personally have never experienced. That does not, and I will say that, that does not make me a better person. Mm-hmm. I, from the empathy standpoint, it, it can only go so far in like trying to walk in somebody's shoes unless you obviously sit down and talk with them. And and for me, you're a Christian. You're also a counselor. Mm-hmm. You're not throwing the Bible at somebody's head every time, every single time they meet with you, but right. you but you have the value system and, and like why you're doing things. So my question is, how do how is it you being a Christian? How does that affect the way that you counsel and take taking the, the I mean, Spring Arbor University is a is a Christian college, so mm-hmm. family life education that is from a spiritual perspective too. Mm-hmm. So, but how do those two intertwine with your your work and your practice? Hmm. Well, I don't do a lot of Christian counseling. Sure, but you are but you are a Christian, so that obviously uh, it affects right. it does your mentality. I would imagine. What I have noticed about what I do and how I do it is, first off, I'm I'm struck that I'm even any good at it. Um, Which I can affirm that you are, yes. But everything that I do, every word that I say comes from, comes from God. Uh, so there's there's that, and you're, and you're saying that like you're trying to frame it through God's. So you're not you're not claiming to be God or saying that you're special. You're just saying you want to frame right. The I things mean, you say every the gifts and the talents that I have 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 been given to me by God. Right. Um. You know. And 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 so and I recognize that that everything that I'm doing isn't anything that I've done. Mm-hmm. You know. So. Um, so there's uh, that piece, but, but also too, the idea that I don't care who I work with. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I'm, I'm just, you know, Jesus says, love, love these people. And that's what I try to do. Right. Um, I don't bring, I don't bring my, my, or well, I do bring my own val- values into it, but I don't. I don't put my values onto them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I just, I try to identify with their values and help them clarify their val, their val, their values, and go from there. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't know what else to say other, other than, you know, 
it really is non-judgmental. There's yeah. there's no judgment on on my part, and 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 that could, you know, and that only comes from my faith. Because mm-hmm. prior to my faith, I was probably one of the most judgmental people <laughs> out yeah. there. And there, and I think that that's great that you made that uh, distinguishing mark there because there's a lot of people. It's like, well, you're a Christian, you're a counselor, so that makes you a Christian counselor, like. Or you have to have that label like, oh, I'm only going to take my loved one to see a Christian counselor, and they specifically market themselves as a Christian counselor. Yeah. And you know that, and that's where it's like, I'm not a Christian account manager. Right. That's not the title. It's a, I am an account manager for my company, Linair Incorporated. Yeah. I am a Christian, and yes. that affects hopefully every area of, of that life and of that particular uh, calling. The thing that I think for the longest time the church has been so infused with trying to change culture instead of winning the hearts and minds of the people, and mm. you're speaking to the minds, you're you're speaking to uh, the people, and but you are a Christian as far as like that particular gift. You're not trying to just say, "Oh, well, here's your remedy. Let's open the Bible." And then to people who are like, "No, I don't." I'm not a Christian. I'm like I'm not here for that. Right. And, yeah. And you're not you're not turning those people away nor judging them for not yeah. believing in Jesus or anything. Right. And I think not I I think I know that, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, my faith has grown through being a count a, a a counselor because you know, um you know, and and we've we've spoken at length about the podcast that you did with Nathan and 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 how, and the effect that it had on me, um, you know. But prior to that, you know, there's been a softening of my heart because for the longest time I was like, you know, I'm anti-gay, anti-abortion, you know, and um, you know, very hardline conservative stance on it. Mm-hmm. Right. These people are going to hell. Right, sure. Right. Yeah. Like that traditionalist, elitist like, right. Um, right. Christians in the, like America and the in the West here. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Um but lo and behold, you know, as as I'm you know, I become a counselor and then I'm going in in into homes of people who are gay. Uh, um, I'm meeting with people in my own private practice who have had abortions mm-hmm. or an abortion. Um, and uh, I spoke on, on this the, the Sunday that you were there. Uh, you know, I spoke of how, you know, the culture and, and what the culture puts forth was really how I was basing my values my views on that, you know, the, the, you know, the culture, you watch the news and it's the woman with her fist up screaming how proud she is that she had her abortion. And, you know, so, so that's how I paint all of them mm-hmm. yeah. in, in my mind, you know, and then of course, you know, uh, you know, there's in regards to homosexuality, there's, you know, the things that you see on, on TV you know, and on the news, you know, uh, Pride Week and all this and then that, and just really just kind of the, 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 the things that you see there that, that, uh, I mean, it's a caricature of, correct. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And it's, it's, to, it's to the extreme and correct. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, in, in my mind, that's how they all are. Yeah. 
right? So, but, you know, and, but then I become a counselor and, and, I, and I start meeting some of these people and, and getting to know them on a personal level, uh, like the young lady that I worked with who had an abortion and just, you know, seeing how it just tore her up, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, feeling like that was the only choice that she had you know, and you and I have talked about that, right? Where was the church? Yeah, exactly. When she was hurting, you know, when she felt like that was the only option that she had. And it, then it's human. It puts the human story behind the right. ism or right. the movement. Right. And then meeting Nathan, you know, and getting to know him and then hearing his story on your podcast, you know, and, and it just, you know, how can you continue having these hardline views of people when you meet someone like Nathan or meet someone like this young lady that I that I worked with? Mm-hmm. You know how how can I paint all of them in that light? Now I still believe abortion's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and 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 I'm still you know I still have a, I have a biblical view of homosexuality too, but I can't look at all of all of them the same anymore. I can't look at them through the eyes of the culture. I see them now more with eyes like what Jesus Christ would look at them. Although I'm, I don't claim that status, right? Yeah, but, of course. Uh, but, um, but I see them through those kind of, of, of eyes. And so I think being a counselor has deepened Help to deepen my faith and and strengthen it. Mm. And well, that's a, I mean it's a beautiful thing to to be able to see that that um, over the course of your life, you know, God has taken you. I mean, just hearing this, taking you on a journey, but it continue. It's continuing. It's not stopping. It's a it's a constant reminder of of how far away I think all of us are from mm. the the sovereignty of God, mm-hmm. and that. And for anyone who's tempted to say, like, well, I've come a long way in my life, and now I'm retiring. It's, it's that idea that our Christianity is kind of like our profession. Like, once can't, can't wait till I retire and I can enjoy my life now. Uh, right. Because <laughs> you know, Christianity is right. hard. Right. And, but it takes so much effort to, to remain humble and continuing to learn. And, and I can testify. I can, I'm, I'm a witness to, to that change. I mean, I mean, Nathan's story in particular is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my entire life. And for anyone... Right who has no idea what we're talking about. Um, that particular episode with, with Nathan Betts, who's also on our board. Number and four. Served, yes, episode, it's Roman, yes, Roman numeral number four of our interviews. Uh, that episode is powerful. And he even found it himself very cathartic uh, mm-hmm. to l- listen back to like, yeah. himself and yeah. say, well, this, yeah, this is my story. Because that's really the first time he's ever really told it. Um, to a to a broader you know audience. So, yeah. but I yes, I encourage people to go back and listen to that episode. Me too. Yeah, it, it's Me really too. it's really good. That the amount of guests that God has has brought just our way. I mean, uh, you're going to be number six. Like it's unbelievable. Like how how great it has been so far. Um, yeah. But man, like your testimony, like how you are running things with your your counseling. That that's something that I wish I. I would have known more about because I was just as judgmental of like people who go to counseling because for me it's just like why don't you just read your Bible and pray more? 
Uh, why do you need someone to talk to you about it? And and that that comes from a place of such ignorance. I, I fully admit that it's like because I can't relate to somebody, that means they're somehow wrong, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're because like I don't have that issue, that means I'm just better. Uh, and all those other people just need to pray, pray harder. And and sometimes that's where my my heart has been, and I realize how completely I mean it's stupid. Uh, it's moronic, that type of mentality, because it's so naive. Uh, it's indicative of a lot of, you know, a lot of people, a lot of teenagers. Um, and, you know, as I've gotten older, I've, my, my, thanks to my mom, having the same education she, that you have, uh, has really tried to punch that point home uh, because I'm, I'm no better than anyone else. And, in fact, I've had to, you know, like I said, I owe you a lot of money for the last uh, few months of well, taking up some of your time. I'll send you my bill. <laughs> But quite honestly, you couldn't afford me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, that's what I tell people. I have to take a second offering on um, on, on Sundays. You, you know, and, and it has just been, it's an incredible, it's been an incredible journey. And and I'm just glad that it's not done yet. Yeah. I, you know, and um, I had my son, my youngest son, ask me just recently. He said, you know, do you wish that you had started, do, do you wish that you had become a counselor back when you were my age? And, and I thought about it for a minute, and I said no. Mm. Um, because I, and looking back now, you know, hindsight being 2020, I can, I can look at every point and see where God has used right Romans 8:28 you know i mean god used a lot of bad things in my life to create what i am today perspective wisdom and you know i couldn't be the counselor that i am today to to these people if i hadn't experienced what they've experienced and i think that's what makes me effective is that you know every everybody that I meet with I've been where they've been, or I am where they are, right? And and, and so um, it's so much easier to develop that engagement, that all important rapport that yeah. uh, that a counselor needs. It's like establishing credibility uh, in a way. Um, yeah. I can say it's like well I sometimes like be able to say I know I truly know what you're going through, right? Like and. Yeah, for us in the moment, you know, that's where it's such a bigger picture when people use, I think, a, um, they use a fallacy when they, when they say like, well, because I'm going through this bad thing right now, that proves that God doesn't love me or that he's not all loving and, or he's not in control. Right. And it's like we're, we're such finite in our thinking mm. because it's just, it's so temporal here. Yes. Yeah. And, and for finite, you know, you know non-omniscient creatures. Mm -hmm. We're looking at somebody and worshiping something that is infinite, omniscient, and all loving. And, you know, if, like you said, Romans eight twenty eight, for God works the good for all those that love him. It's the good. And it's like... And are called according to his purpose. purpose. Yeah. And and you're submitting that and looking at what's happening. I mean, you, that that's right. But man, it's a hard thing when people are going through, they're in the mud right now. It's yeah. like, how yeah. in the world is God going to use this? Yeah. Right. And, you know... And if you had asked me this question 20 years ago, I would say, I have no idea what God's going to do with all of this. Um, so it just leads to what's, what's the moral of 
the story. Be be patient. Yeah. You know, bloom where you're planted. Um, you know, uh, and I always I, I think of Joseph. You know, the mm. the the years that he spent in prison. You know, and just you know, God used every second to shape him. You know, for the work that he did. Most, I mean, you know, just I think the Bible is just loaded with examples of, you know, people that you know that God didn't start using until you know he had taken them through circ- circumstances that shaped them. Exactly. Yeah, and, and it's and it's the question is why do I, why does God test me this way? And also sometimes we we we're, that's the problem is that we all think it that it's about us. It's like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's happening to you because it's your life, but it actually is not going to have anything to do with you. It's what God's going to do to use you to to help other people, and right. you are just going to be the vessel through which that happens. Yeah. It's not about what was me or I'm going to go through this because I'm going to do this great thing this one day, and I'm going to be awesome. So it's it's we're we're still acknowledging God, but yet we still find a way to put the, all the credibility and all the all the credit back on us. Right, and. You know, that's a, I think that's a, that's a broader issue, I think, in the church is maybe reading ourselves into the Bible. And I always tell people that, uh, or at least I've been trying to tell people more, is that the times when, when humanity is, like, really dumb, I'm like, that's me. When humanity right. is doing really good things, uh, that's not me, okay? That's because God and it's not, has nothing to do with me. Right, right, right. It's, it's like, you know, when we read the story of David and uh, Goliath, you know, we're always... David, but we're never the people be, be behind it, David, That's right. shivering in and their boots. Yeah, and we're looking right? for our Goliath. We're just we're yes, looking for it out there. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, no, I'm in that story, but I'm the guy who didn't go out there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm the guy back there shaking. Yeah. You can you can hear my teeth. So <laughs> Yeah, and that's and you know how how we deal with these issues, how we how we tackle um them, like from a, again, from a counseling perspective and and just but my question is born out of my, my ignorance, um, you know, n- no longer, you know, no longer seeing counseling as a, I guess a crutch, but as a, as a real t- tool to help people. Yeah. Where, where is, where is the line though? Like, I think that's, that's a question I have is, you know, I, I've said it before, but I, what I struggle is, is the people who, you know, from a hereditary standpoint, from a, from a neurological standpoint, who thank, thank the Lord that we have remedies nowadays that we didn't have. You know, mm-hmm. centuries ago, sure. to help people, um, that absolutely helps people ha- maintain a, I would say, a proper homeostatic condition, like where their brains actually on the correct chemical levels. Where you know, just because of an imbalance, we have ways of filling that. But, uh, but, what point does can counseling become a a, a crutch for people mm-hmm. instead of actually looking to the spiritual remedies? I guess I, I'm, I'm looking at. Like, is our first instinct to to recommend counseling or recommend a person or a worldly solution versus the spiritual one? So where, where do those two meet? Because I'm just wondering, like, yeah, I've been going to a counselor for 30 years. And I'm thinking, yeah. where where's Jesus been for the last 30 years? Like, well, I see a Christian counselor, so that kind of fills in the gap. It's like, well, wait a minute. What you're dealing with, like, we can get, we can get to it at the moment because, well, Paul talks about that or Jesus talks about it. So that's where I'm like, is there a balance that I'm missing there, or is that still maybe a naive question? No, I don't think it's naive. Um, a counselor's job and a social worker's job is literally to work ourselves out of a job. Mm. 
if I'm seeing somebody for thir- for 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 thirty years, I suck yeah. as a counselor. <laughs> okay. Um, from the day we open, you know, we are to be planning on closure, mm. equipping that that person to, um, you know, be be able to have the tools that he or she needs to uh, continue on without the help of a counselor. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, um, you know, so what does that look like? You know, does that mean, you know, uh, if they're, if they're a, a Christian or even open to the, I, the idea, you know, are we, you know, is it, is it my job? And yes, it is, you know, as, as we're looking for ways to help them maintain that success, you know, we are, you know, we're, we're, we're wanting to connect them with supports, you know, both sy- sy- systemic and their own natural supports. And, you know, so, you know, are we looking to the church? And that's been a, a question I've had for the longest time is, you know, we have, there is such a gap between men- mental health you know, there are there are so many people out there who can't get it, but you get know. get their get the support. Who, who can't get the help that they need because of whatever, you know, and 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 so they're just they're in limbo, right? You know, they go to community mental mental health. Community mental health says, "Well, you don't meet the criteria," you know, uh, you know, or we don't have insurance or what, whatever, you know, and there, so there's just these people that are stuck in limbo that can't get help. And again, where's the church? How can the church serve these needs? And, and, you know, and, and so, you know, even if it's just me connecting this, this person with a church that has some sort of a support group, you know, and, and so, um, So that's, I think that's, that's one way that we can meet the spiritual needs. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the counselor has to, has to step back and say, it's not about me. Yeah. Right. I, you know, I, I can't keep this person in counseling for years and years and years and years and years, you know? So, um, yeah. Has, has the, has the, the influx of people, um, are these people coming out of the woodwork thinking that they, like, are, the, are all these a bunch of hypochondriacs believing that they have mental health problems, or is it because the amount of resources the world is offering now and the more education we, we, are, we are seeing on matters, like you had said at the very beginning, like it was the 70s, and that's such a negative thing of saying, like, people had no idea what they were doing, a lot of crap was acceptable, no one talked about it, and so we're seeing the ravages of just, hey, it is what it was, you know, right. we're seeing the ramifications of that today. Right. And, you know, I know I have a lot of my friends who who suffer from one thing or another. And my, you know, I, I always wonder in my head, it's either, are these people bored? And so because their lifestyles are so great, they're finding out what some, that something must be wrong because, you know, Satan's got them believing something. Mm-hmm. Do they actually have the abnormalities? Um, and then is it, are they all, is this influx from younger people and greater numbers dealing with these things? because there are actual solutions. And because I, because I have to ask myself, like, 
if we were living 100 years ago, we didn't have these remedies. Like from an evolutionary standpoint, these people either were either were outcast, they died, or they had to learn to live with that, and they didn't tell anyone. And I don't think any of those things are good. It's just that where was where was the, were there there were mental health issues, you know, shell shock syndrome, which we then knew came into PTSD. We just yeah. Those those soldiers had to live with it, and then we were wondering why so many people were alcoholics. Yeah, <laughs> and right. and so it it's been more revealing. It's just for me, it's is this influx because we are becoming more educated on these matters, or are we more soft as a society? I and I again, I don't want to say it naive. I'm trying to play both sides here, genuinely wanting to know the the answers. And yeah. and to many of my friends out there, that's not a judgment on you. This is just me trying to stay neutral here of thinking how how do people who are that I know in my life who are like, oh, those people just need to, they just need to do this. They don't need to, they don't need to go to counseling. They don't need to yeah. take drugs. They just need to be this way. Just mm-hmm. be better. And I, I want to help. Like, how do we educate those people who are, you know, judgmental? Like, like you described it yourself or in life and how I was. Yeah. What type of answers are we giving them? Well, the answer that I would give them, and the answer that I do give people who say that is, well, I mean, if they could, don't you think they would? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you think that it's wonderful to feel that icky all the time? Yeah. So um, I, I think in my mind, the answer is as simple as that. It's if they could, they they would. would. And, and, so, and, and so sometimes they need help to get steered in the right direction. And, and the greater, do you, do you have like... The greater numbers that we're seeing more and more is that just because of how specific, particular each mental health diagnosis is. So there's specific remedies. So instead of throwing everyone into one boat, we actually have more pathways. We do, yeah. I mean, you know, as as research evolves, you know, there was C, there's there was C, CBT cognitive behavior therapy. Well, now there's tra- trauma focused mm-hmm. CBT TF CBT. Um, you know, there's DBT. There's just all sorts of different um, treatment modalities out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and 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 I think also too that you know some of the stigma around counseling is starting to wear off, which is you know yeah. praise God. Yeah, absolutely for that. Um, I, I think for a lot of young people and this is just a hypothesis of mine there's no research that i that i have found yet to 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 support it but your generation and and the uh, generation coming up behind you it's just we're living in the information age i didn't grow up with all the information at my fingertips that you have right or that you know the you know the people ten years behind you have, um, and 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 even kids you know in kindergarten now. I mean, it's just everything is at their fingertips. And I think information is a good thing, but I also believe that too much information at one time is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when we're flooding these young brains. You know that I you know the the prefrontal cortex is, isn't even wired up yet. Mm-hmm. You know, that prefrontal cortex that gives us the ability to think lot logically, you know, and to think in abstract terms. It doesn't even begin to, to, to become 
wired up until we, you know, we, until between the ages of 14 and six, 16. And then it's, it's, it's not even really fully developed until we're in our 20s. You know, so here's all this information being shoved at people who have no idea how to process it. Yeah. Because they're, because they physically can't. They yeah. physically cannot process everything that they're seeing, the good and the bad. Right. And um, that wasn't a problem for my generation and for my parents and my grandparents, you know, because we learned things slow, you know, sl sl slowly as they were developing, you know. And, of course, you know, we'd have to go to the library and check out an encyclopedia, you know, to, to, look, some, to look something up where, you know, as, you know, a, a fifth grader, you know, can just... Google it. Yeah, exactly. You know yeah, that, that's um, yeah. The my, one of my uh, one of my friends um, sent recently in, a, in one of our group chats just this idea that we are just so much addicted to information. Uh, we don't really know what to do with the information other than just maybe knowing what's going on. I mean, even to be relevant in some social media or excuse me, just some social circles today is just knowing what meme is the most current meme, what, you know, what gif goes around, um, what particular song or movie reference or joke, it, or now it's, you know, back in college, it was a vine. Now it's TikTok of like, Hey, yeah, like I recognize that reference because of this. And it becomes a, a social currency to be able to make a reference for humor mm -hmm. of saying, Hey, I reference this. And like, everyone gets it because everyone's up to speed on something. And they say, well, haven't you seen this or haven't you never seen that? And it's not a movie. It's not a song. It's like a video. It's it's a it's something that went viral on the internet, which is you know hot now and gone tomorrow. But you had to have seen it in that like twenty four hour window. But because we're all there, we all can make those self referencing inside jokes, and everyone for the most part gets it. And then when someone doesn't, we either have to explain it to them, show it to them. But it's like it's a it's an interruption. And like in the, it's like a glitch in the matrix. Like, wait, how have you not seen that? <laughs> but it's, but it's the currency. It's like the currency right. in social circles. And yeah, we're not told what to do with it. We just are like, okay, well, how am I supposed to feel? Well, now you're starting to get that from our culture. Well, here is what you should do with that information. And of course, the problem is, is that I think the, the biggest thing in my own hypothesis is moving from a postmodern age of no truth exists to a post-truth age where we acknowledge that truth might exist, but we just don't care. Mm -hmm. And so you're getting a lot of fatigue from the younger millennials, my, like people my age, um, so maybe 26, 27, 28, and then Gen Zers, where it's like, yeah, we got all this information out there, and guess what? It's done none of us any good, so why care at all? Mm -hmm. And it's like, wait a minute, the older generations, you're telling us that we can't trust you, you can't trust uh, what's in your history books. You can't trust your politicians. You can't trust your teachers. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You're the teachers. It's your generation that helped write these textbooks and do all this thing. So um, you actually have no idea what you're talking about. If we have no idea what, we talk, that what we're talking about, then who cares? Mm -hmm. What is the point of any of it? So it, it's, it's turning into apathy. And that is the biggest challenge of not necessarily trying to convince people that God exists because we're kind of moving out of that age of skepticism. Like there was a lot of harsh skepticism in our, in our country late nineties through me. I would say the 2010s, 
But we're, we're starting to soften up on the idea of God. But it's like, why should I care that God exists? Mm-hmm. That's a totally different person <clears throat> than saying, nope, God doesn't exist. You can't prove him versus, man, I don't really care, man. Like, I'm right. going to live my life. Yeah. And like, that's what we're dealing with. So if you, I, I think if that's the cultural mentality and then you throw in the mental health issue or dealing with these things, how in the world as a counselor do you talk about values or give people a baseline if they don't even care if they have one or not? Yeah. Well, you know, the first thing that you that you have to have as a counselor is someone with a desire to change. Mm. And, you know, and and I can work with that if you don't want to change. Yeah, sure. There's 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 things that uh, we that we can do. There's tech techniques and and you know, and and stuff uh, for these young kids that their parents bring them in and like I don't want to be here. I don't you know I don't want, this is stupid. And, yeah, you know, and of, and of course you know we can we can talk and you know and find something that can that that can help but but there again this is a kid being brought in by their parents um you know to to find someone that is willing you know that that can do it on their own now again they just have to be willing to do it and if they're if they're not well you know we just wait until they get to that point where they are i mean yeah um i would love to save the whole world but i can only only deal with what God gives me to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that um, of course, being uh, the wise person that you are, that's right. I mean, it's like, well, do you, do you want help? Do you, it's the Jesus question of, do you yeah. want to get well? Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, and, and that's, that's the question that I asked a guy here just uh, recently, you know, uh, and I was able to because, you know, he, you know, he is a churchgoer and, and he gave me permission to, Use spirit, you know, spiritual language, um, and quote the uh, uh, Bible, and 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 I, I actually pulled that. I mean, you know, I said, "Do you want to be the man laying there whining and going, well, no one's here to push me into the water?" Yeah. You know? <laughs> Do you want to get well? Yes or no? Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Yeah, there has to be that recognition for yeah. sure. Like it's the was that first step is the acceptance part. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and you, you mentioned something that I, I do definitely want to come back to is, is this, it's the mental health. It's, it's the least of these in our society. And I think, you know, I've been struggling in my, my own spiritual life sometimes to discern the will of God. I mean, that mm-hmm. is a hard, sometimes mysterious thing. You know, it's like, you know, sometimes you're just like, I heard from God and other times it's just like, I just am there. I'm, I'm just battling every day, picking up my cross and either I'm doing things really right or really wrong because I haven't heard from God, you know, and then that thing, uh, either inviting judgment immediately or, you know, he is trusting me with his silence, which is, which is a, which is a, that's a tough road, but I always used to think of God's silence as I'm being tested. You know, it's like you're doing what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. uh, sometimes too. It's not just like, oh, I'm supposed to learn something. It's like, no, I think, what if you just just keep going, right. faithful servant? You know, keep going. Well, even so, that the the will of God, like that is, it takes a lot of effort. But because Satan doesn't 
do anything new. I mean, Jesus even says, you know, when he is when he is lying, he's speaking his native tongue. Yeah. So sometimes I ask myself, well, what would God do? It's like, well, I don't know at the moment. I'm struggling, but I know what Satan would rather have me do. Mm-hmm. And I and I think when I look at this whole broad category of mental health, from anyone who's just dealing with depression to somebody who has schizophrenia, um, or and people who have you know, thoughts of suicide and everywhere in between, okay. Um, so I'm going to say, make it a broad statement that I'm just wondering if sometimes, you know, as a church, you know, who don't step in, you know, even like you mentioned the woman who had had an abortion, like thinking that was her only issue, where was the church to be able to be with her? You know, mm-hmm. I have to ask myself, well, for somebody who has a diagnosis and, you know, whose family goes to church and we know that that's that family, we, 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 know who they are because their son or daughter always causes a ruckus and it's like, oh, well, new person. Well, that's the Smith family mm-hmm. and they have a son or a daughter that has this. And it's like, oh, okay. So it's the black sheep in the congregation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, they just need the right meds or, oh, they just need to go and, and stay in a place somewhere. And our fr- sometimes I wonder if Christians, our first instinct is to lock them up in a way, proverbially speaking, or or drug them with medication so that they act normal. And instead of seeking out the spiritual remedies. I mean, I'm not saying we don't we don't even are approaching like spiritual warfare, but our Bibles talk about spiritual warfare. They talk about demon possession. Mm-hmm. And that's nothing new. Mm-hmm. But yet I I've said it in a sermon that, you know, I think it's Kevin Spacey's character in the in the movie Seven who's who was quoted by saying that the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he never existed. Mm-hmm. And in our society today, we don't even in the church we don't talk about demon possession. We don't talk about the notion that if somebody's suffering from disassociative identity disorder and has multiple personalities, well, that's not multiple demons. That's just you know we can explain it scientifically. But then when that abnormalities, I say abnormality not as a not as an indictment mm-hmm. um, that that thing they're suffering with. Mm-hmm. Is never cured, you know, it's never done. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I'm just wondering, you know, some of the people that are described in our Bible, it's pretty it's pretty freakish stuff what um, Jesus and our disciples encountered and that they healed. I mean, even the testimonies of that, if you read through the New Testament, especially also in the book of Acts, what people are healed, being healed from, mm-hmm. we don't even consider that. I mean, I, I mean, not all there are churches that do. Yeah. I'm not saying that's the answer, but we don't even have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Do we, when was the last time you saw, or because I've been around it, somebody who has a mental disorder and the entire church prays for him, lays their hands on him and prays for him. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah. Why, because why would we do that? That'd be causing a lot of attention. And, but like that, that's our answer as well, or that's our response is why would we do that? Right. And it's like, where does that come from? Are we, why, why wouldn't we do this? Because we're uncomfortable. I think, again, it's just putting ourselves in the story saying, well, I don't know how to handle that. That's, sure. that's up to a counselor's thing. And I'm just, you ask it about a church, it's a collective. So what is the church not doing? Why don't we do that? Huh, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, you know, and I, you and I actually discussed this, um, not this last Thursday, but the Thursday. Like two weeks ago? Before, and, and it was... Um, we have science out there trying to disprove Christianity. We have Christianity out there trying 
to disprove science. Why why can't the two work? Yeah. And why why can't they why do they why do why why do they have to be exclusive? You know, why can't, you know, if um I started to work out a second master's degree in pastoral counseling. And one of the, one of the books that I had to read it was on biblical counseling. And the author was just very anti anything that had to do with, you know, uh, um, proven scientific um, thera therapies like CBT. I mean, he just, he went out of his way mm. to, you know, talk about why it doesn't work. Um, you know, and that all of our answers are found in the Bible. And if you, you know, you just go to the Bible and your answer to your problem will be there. And, and, and that, that, that is just as wrong as the people who say, you know, you know don't go to church because you won't find your, an your, your, your answers there. You need to go to, you know, you need to trust in psychology. You need to trust in science. Um, so uh, what was the question? Oh, why, aren't, why isn't the church willing to not just pray? Why aren't we more involved? Like, yeah, well, one, I don't think that we know how. Right. Right, uh, because it's it's looked at as uh, as this. Ooh, this is kind of scary stuff, you know. This yeah. counseling stuff, but you know, anytime we go to somebody with a problem, we're seeking count, count, counsel. You know, we're getting counseling. Exactly. You know, if I go to my accountability part partner and and I say, hey, you know, I'm struggling with this, you know. Uh, can 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 we meet and talk and pray? You know, we're seeking counseling. You know, anytime someone comes to you, say, "Hey, Pat, Pastor Mike, Michael, I'm, you know, I'm struggling with this. You know, can you can you work with me? Can you talk with with me? You know, we're getting count counseled, or that person is getting count counseled. Um, you know, and and so I, I think that if we can, you know, remove the veil and the mysticism around what counseling is and what counseling is not, you know, maybe, uh, maybe we can get better. Um, you know, but, but that also, I mean, understanding too that there are things that, that we can do that are wrong, oh, right? Absolutely. This, you know, of course. Uh, uh, I, I can't tell you how insane it drives me when, you know, someone loses a loved one and they're in the church and, you know, and a church member comes to, to them and says, well, you know, oh. God must have needed that person in a heaven. Oh. Uh, right. The, and they actually said this to a friend of, of mine. And this friend says, well, God is one selfish son of a bee. Yeah. Yes. You know, and, and be, so, we have to be careful about how we say things, um, but you know we can we can be there for one. I mean, we're you know even you know, uh, um, and I and I, and I had this high this highlighted, um, you know, uh, Galatians six two carry each other's bur burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law <laughs> of Christ. <laughs> it's. It's like we, we make it so difficult. 
We do, and I think that's just just our our way, yeah, right? It's our sin nature. Yeah, because like I'm I'm thinking to myself, what would Satan want? He wants the people who suffering. I, I'm not even making any sort of um, <clears throat> determination here. Demon possession and and a particular let's say mutation in the in the in the genetic code. Like people want to say either or, I'd say both and what what have you. I mean. People want to say, like, well, that's the scientific explanation of a spiritual realm. And, you know, and we yeah. can't physically fix the the genes, but we can pray over it. You have you have that type of thing. It's like, no, this medication fixes it. Or, no, all that stuff doesn't work anyway. You just need to pray to God. And it's like, that that's where Satan wants us to fight. Yeah. And, and Why that, can't the two just work together? Yeah. And because ultimately, who's not helped? The person. Right. And, and like, that's what Satan wants. That's the end goal is the person not to be helped, yes. the congregation to be moved by fear to do nothing. nothing. Yeah. And it's like, that's the, it's not even the church that's like, I mean, if you look at Revelation, it's the church that's lukewarm, that God just, I can't, like, he wants mm-hmm. to spit him out of his mouth, the church of Laodicea. Like, it's, it's the, he, he stomachs the people who are just on the fence. Yeah. You know, like, it, and that's where I, I truly believe the church has been on multiple things, but I but that's where for me it's like it's so revealing. It's like what would Satan do? I, yeah. I know that we are common question is what would Jesus do? But I'm like, what would Satan do here? What does he want? What's right. his goal? Right. And, I, it, and and I think that that's a good question. Yeah, and now that would be a good uh, title for a book is what would Satan do? That would certainly sell a lot of interesting copies. But you know, I I, I just. I think to myself is like whatever makes me really uncomfortable spiritually. That's what I want to run after, mm-hmm. and, and it's not, it's not the stuff that's uncomfortable, in a morally bad way or an unorthodox way. It's the things that I'm like, oh Lord, please don't call me to do this because <laughs> I really don't want to do it. Right. That stuff I want to run after, right. like because like that shows you like I don't want to be a pastor. <laughs> Look at what happened. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't yeah, want to have to talk about homosexuality in front of the congregation. That's not something Michael Cravel and my carnal nature wants to do on Correct. a Sunday morning. I right. want to stay in my bed and sleep in, okay, and have a restful Sunday. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that, but I must do it, you know? And I think as a church, if we're taking that type of mentality of, of Jesus, like, we're in the middle of Lent. We're coming up on Palm Sunday, and we're, I'm going to talk about it at church, you're just getting a brief preview here. And for those listening thereafter, you'll have already heard it. But Jesus still had to come to Jerusalem. He could have just passed by it. Mm-hmm. But he had to cho- He had to choose to come back. Right. And even in the garden, he's still saying, you know, not my will, thy will. And I'm like, right, right. that, we look at the person of Christ and his whole purpose was to glorify the Father. Mm-hmm. And what glorified the Father was reconciling, reconciling the world back to him and giving all of his children away, mm-hmm. not forcing them, right? not co-opting them, guilt-tripping them, shaming them, but giving them a, a pathway for like the rest of us Gentiles, a way back. And Jesus at any time, like he could have kept to, he, he could have come down from the cross exactly what the Roman soldiers were mocking him uh, to do, and no. And I'm just wondering, is it my will or thy will? Which one is it? Mm-hmm. And that's where this old C.S. Lewis quote comes in. You know, it's to the end of the at the end of time, there'll be two different groups of people. It's to those who bend their knee to God and say, "Thy will be, Thy will be done," and to those God will say, "Okay, Thy will be done." Right. Like, and and it's as a church, I'm just wondering, is it? No, it's my will. 
it's my will given by God because I got all these things. Like we throw God in there to give us some credibility, but it's still, you know, this is how I want things. This is how my church worships, or this is how my church does ministry. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm, okay, right, okie dokie. Yeah, I. This is the thing. This has been a burden. Is how do we? This is the least of these. Like the least of these is a is a big category. Yeah. But you, your, not just you. It's like it's generational now in your family of 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 your family helping out, which I think a lot of people would say the least of these are like at risk or people who have mental. See, I don't even say mental disabilities. We talked about that a couple weeks ago too. Who am I to say that somebody else because they're different from me? I said it earlier is wrong or defective or less than. You know. Yeah. Well, and, and, and when you think about it too, the uh, DSM, the diagnostic, the, the diagnostic man, the, the, and I can't remember the uh, name, but we're, we're, we're on the DSM-5, and that's what we use to diagnose mental Ill, illness with. And many of, of these disorders, they're not even considered a disorder unless it's causing a problem for, for, for you in your occupational life, your school life, your per, your personal life. If it's not, if it's not, that's one of the criteria. And if it's not causing you a problem in one of these areas, then it's not a disorder. And so I actually, I didn't even know that. Um, and to um, bring that up, uh, it's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of yes. Mental uh, disorders. Yeah, I, you know the thing. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Um, it, and so, yeah, that's actually a really good point. I mean, my definition of good, my definition of normal is based on my own sinful un, like understanding of the world. Absolutely. And so anyone who is different <clears throat> than me, looks different, talks different, sounds different, lives different, is in my mind immediately less than you know, if I'm just relying on myself right. because they're different, I can't trust them or, well, I'd hate to live that way. It's like, well, they're going to probably think the same thing of me if it's the same standard. But yet the message of Christianity, again, it's everyone's welcome. Everyone's welcome. Right. And we'll carry each other's burdens. Are, are we carrying each other's burdens well? Are we unwilling to even pick them up? Mm-hmm. Is it too ugly? I think it's just too scary. Yeah. I think it's too scary, uh, and then there again, and why is it too too scary? Is it because it makes us uncomfortable? Is it because the world has said, well, only counselors and psychologists can can do this? You know, they're the only ones who are equipped to handle these right. these sorts of um, problems. Um, I, I I don't know what the answer is, but. I know that that's one of the answers. Yeah. And, you know, it's not that we want to put you out of work, you know, uh, but you Please said, yeah, yeah, you're the ones preparing for not right. being in work, which that's, a, that's a, such a good way of putting it is that you don't want to see the people forever. You're like, I hope I never see you again type of thing, like at least in this office or yeah. something. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, I just collectively, we can do so much, but I'm thinking if you look at what Satan wants is that no one gets helped, people don't talk, stereotypes, judgments, and yeah, it truly is uncomfortable, but I look at the person of Christ, and there was not one thing he was unwilling to do yeah. in order to you know, in order to fulfill what he said. He 
It was the fulfillment of talking the talk and walking the walk. Right, right. Being willing to touch those 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 yes. people that nobody else was willing to touch. Yeah. Or even to talk to, right? Like the Samaritan wo- woman at the uh, well, you yeah. know? Uh, oh, this Jewish man is talking to to, to yeah. me. What's up with, with this? And and to touch and heal lepers? Yeah. Like the true yeah. outcast? I mean, true, true outcast right, of right. society. I mean, yeah. it, I mean, we have outcasts in our society today, but not anything close to like that. I mean, not, I'm talking about just physical contact. I mean, yes, we have homeless that people don't make eye contact with and that are among the least of these that, I, again, I don't think we do enough for. Um, but at the same time, like I think people are willing to physically be near them. But if you were like, you can't even like be, be close to people. And then this isn't a political statement. I just know from my own personal experience, those who are in homes because of COVID who haven't had the physical interaction. So you, you can see what happens to the human spirit when you can't be around people. And, and Jesus came right in and and yeah. touch them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Can, I mean, can can you imagine never going through your life being touched? Yeah. Never getting a hug. Constantly being shunned and say, stay away from me. You and then fill in the blank with whatever derogatory yeah. term. Yeah. And like, where, where's the church? Where was the church then? And where's the church now? And yeah. I, I think it starts with having these conversations of what what more can we do? And if and I think the the biggest thing is when you ask yourself why you're not doing something, if you're if it's because of you, like if, when you're being <laughs> truthful in your answer, it's like, well, I don't do this because I don't feel, and it's like, okay, so it's your problem. <laughs> that's that's part of that's part of the answer. If it's like, well, because that makes me uncomfortable, or I'm afraid that this will happen, or I don't know, it's all the eyes. It's not like, well, God told me not to help that person, or mm-hmm. it's it's amazing what happens when you're honest and and look how many times you are involved in the explanation. <laughs> right, right. It's the selfishness. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and but you know, I I also believe that that you know, each person's spiritual gift will dictate what they can and, uh, oh, and sure. cannot do, but we can all, every one of us can can show compassion. And love yes. to someone, and, exactly. and again, it, and it does. It doesn't matter what their what what their station is, you know. And again, going back to that conversation that we had last Thursday, last Thursday, you know, about you know uh, these, we were actually talk talking about people aborting their their child their children because they might have Down syndrome because that's just bad, you know. Right. It, you know, but according to Who's standard? Yeah, exactly. Ours, you know. So, um, because if we're if we're if we're saying that this person is good and this person is not according to our standards, we are way out of line. Yeah. Again, who who's at the center in that storyline? Exactly. It has it has nothing to do with the child. Uh, it has nothing to do with what God's will is. It's well. You know, yeah. in, in those cases, I mean, it's in those particular cases that if that were to happen, and and I actually have you know heard from people who be, that that was the situation. So yeah. like it, it's not just a hypothetical scenario. Yeah. But that's but that that's why and, and and I'm so excited about your leadership at our at our church is because you know you've brought this this new level of thinking 
to it. I mean, I've never talked about that before, never even thought about it until we had that conversation, you know, and, and that's why I'm just, I'm so excited for the future of our, of our, of our church because we're having these conversations that we haven't had in, in that church since I've been there. And I can guarantee you they weren't happening before I came there either. Um, so I'm just excited. Yeah. It's, I, it's, it's by the grace of God that we have made it th thus far. And my goal, at least for, for our church, is to continue to push. It's that holiness never stops. Right. There's not a point where we, I, I don't think we can afford to ever look back and say, wow, I'm really proud of how far we've come. Um, it, it's just got to keep going. Right. My, my father raised me, you know, when I took out the garbage, I did the dishes and, you know, uh, helped my mom around the house and my dad get home from work. And I can't wait to make my dad proud by giving him the report of the day. And what do I get is... What are, you, what are you waiting for? Like, you, you don't get credit for doing what you're supposed <laughs> yeah. to do. Yeah. And they're like, like, all right, God, look at We did a good thing today. And God's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I commanded you to do that. If you love yeah. me, you'll obey my commandments. Like, what? why do you want credit for doing what you're supposed to do? Right. Yeah. And, and, and I, we want that immediate reward. It doesn't mean we, we can't be self-aware of, of the good things that God has done. Yeah. Um, it, the thing is, is that I think when we reflect, it's, has nothing to do with us and we just got to keep going um, and that's that's my goal and I think this part especially the least of these I mean you want to take it beyond just mental mental health and just the poor I mean uh, I have them in my family I have two widows in my family and at the church breakfast a couple weeks ago the ladies were saying there's 16 widows in one block in a small 220 some household municipality of North Adams mm -hmm. that's astonishing mm -hmm. what are we doing to help them yeah because that's what our bible commands us to do right. is to i mean end of first uh, john i think it's first john 5 it's like the command is to literally take care of like this is the most pure undefiled religion is to care for the orphans take care of the widows and keep yourself from being polluted or in some translations unstained by the world mm -hmm. well good luck with that church like You're that's right, an right. easy task <laughs> <laughs> right yeah so, so. Uh, and, but your but your steadfastness your your wisdom in our church and our board is so much appreciated because of your patience and just the I don't know, you, you have a wisdom about, you're not just a worldly wisdom, but it's it, that, that care of, of like carefree mentality of like, I don't care where you've been or what you're doing. Like my arms are open and, mm -hmm. and I, I so much appreciate that, that wisdom and God, it's not just in my life, but thank you for being a good friend to my mother over the years. And it, you know, it's, She's it's amazing. a good friend to me. Yeah. It's amazing to see what God has done. Right. Yeah. Life. Yeah. And, 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 Again, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty. Again, we can look back, you know, and say, you know, why was Eric Moore and Julie Craig Craybell placed in this cohort <laughs> together? You know, for such a time as this, this yeah, Book of Esther. Right? Well, uh, God only knows that particular, like where this is only going to go. But thank you so much for being willing to to sit down tonight, add some real perspective uh, into this uh, ever growing topic. I think it's only going to to become more ubiquitous, uh, mm -hmm. and and for the younger generation, I think we, for the sake of those who were to come, 
and who are already in our midst. I think this is something, you know, the idea of counseling, uh, mental health, and taking the spiritual realm, uniting it with the gifts, talents, and education that are in the scientific side of things, mm -hmm. and and not living by fear and embracing what God's given us. That's I think that's the I don't know if that's the most prudent way, but I think that's better than just ostracizing both and living out of fear. I, I, I think that's probably... <laughs> I would agree. I would tend to agree. Yeah. So I uh, appreciate your time tonight, Eric, um, and love your brother. And I wish you nothing but the best continuing your marriage and your faithfulness uh, in the church and the church board. Thank you. And again, I look forward to your continued leadership. Oh. Well, thank you, sir. All I'm, right. I'm excited. <laughs> I am too. Well, thanks for joining tonight. We'll, we'll catch up to you, with you soon, all right? All right, bye-bye. Thank you so much to Eric and his time that we had this week. I think that was extraordinarily insightful. Different perspective from somebody who has lived it, has the credibility, education to offer his insight. Thank you so much, Eric. I'm just grateful I get to see you at least twice a week. And... I really appreciate your leadership and your humility and how you approach these things, how you're always willing to listen. You're one of the least judgmental people I've ever met. You're always willing to hear somebody out and give them the benefit of the doubt. And I love that about you, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you for you guys for listening. Really appreciate you. We'll see you soon. And before our next episode drops, this is Holy Week. So happy Easter. Happy Easter to all the Christians out there who will collectively mourn and then celebrate together. Focus on Jesus. Keep him your Lord and Savior. Amen.